You're listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons. Visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Good morning, friends. I don't know about you, but I was feeling that it's getting real. We are singing Christmas songs now. Oh, so, so good. Um, especially that last one. I just, I've always loved that tune. But that last verse, we're saying, be our Prince of Peace, all nations. It's definitely uh, timely for where we are in the world this day. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Brenna Rubio. I'm one of the co-pastors here at City Church of Long Beach. My pronouns are she, her. Uh, and I am so glad that you you're able to be with us here this morning, whether it's your first time here with us, your third time, your hundredth time. Um, it's always just a joy uh, to be together here at City Church of Long Beach, where we are a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. A special welcome, too, to our friends on Zoom. We always appreciate those of you who gather with us online as well. One church, just in two different spaces, and that absolutely works. Um, for those of you who are learning into leaning into Christmas, you're feeling it a little, you want a little extra holiday cheer, just going ahead and giving a little shout out uh, to the fact that we have some Christmas things happening midweek. You can look in the digital handout and see we have Christmas cookies this coming Wednesday, uh, along with a potluck ahead of time. Uh, and then the week after is going to be the Christmas carols for more of these awesome, awesome Christmas songs. So hope that you guys will Join us if that's something that would be encouraging and fun for you. We love to pray over our kiddos each week. We think that they are amazing and just an important part of our community. Um, so before we allow them to go and enjoy their own story and crafts and fun all together, um, would you join me so we can just pray for them, um, spend a little time together in prayer? God, thanks that we get to be here this morning. Thanks for this season um, of Christmas. Sometimes it can feel a little busy. Uh, there's lots going on. And yet there are also these sorts of moments where we just get to sit and breathe and reconnect to what it all really means, to who you really are, and just to the amazing story and reality that you came to be with us, that you love us, that you're near to us, that there is hope and there is peace. God, thanks especially for the kids among us. Would you help us just to, to pay attention to them, remembering that you yourself were a child. We ourselves were children. These children matter. They matter deeply. Thanks for the good work that you were doing in their hearts and their souls. Would you help us to just be good companions on those journeys, um, listening to them and encouraging them and just being with them in the moments that matter? Thanks for all the adults uh, in this church who, who do that in so many amazing and practical and hands-on ways, even for the kids who are not their own. We think also of the kids at Lafayette Elementary School as they have another couple of weeks before their Christmas vacation. Um, God, would you care for them? care for them and their families and all the needs and all the joys. God, you are so good. We love you. Amen. 
kids, if you would like to come out over here with your fearless leaders, you are welcome to do that. And now it is such a privilege to uh, invite up our speakers this morning. I'm going to let Bill introduce. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. That there. Why don't you come over here, Shannon? Where up there she goes. Hey, uh, good morning, friends. My name is Bill White. My pronouns are he, him, and I am the other co-pastor at City Church of Long Beach. And this is Shannon Fernando. <laughs> I know you love that yes, kind of thing. Great. So, Thank you. <laughs> uh, Shannon is a friend of mine and a dear friend of my wife, Katie. Uh, they work together, and Shannon uh, gets to break it. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> She's really excited to get to preach with me today. Uh, as you can tell, lucky, lucky Shannon. So, um, so Shannon, why don't you just let's let's orient who who are you? Why are you here? What, what do you do at Los Angeles Christian Health Centers? What what's your actual job? Well, thanks, Bill, <laughs> for the great welcome. <laughs> you know, that's what I do. Um, I think I mean, do I need to lower this? Joe, oh, sorry, so you can I, see? that was my bad. But these are our friends on Zoom. Hi, Hi Zoom. Zoom. Good to sorry. see you. Yeah, no, you're good. Um, so yes, thank you. I'm Shannon. I am a family nurse practitioner at Los Angeles Christian Health Centers, uh, now focusing mainly on providing street medicine to people experiencing homelessness. So what, what is street medicine? Uh, it's literally what, like, bringing... Where, like, where do you see, like, what do you... Literally like, on the street. <laughs> so you so, go out to the streets... Right. To care for... Like people for in encampments or... Yeah. Under overpasses. Right. That's where you practice medicine. Correct. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying that's kind of cool, right? That's I think it's cool, yeah. Okay, so okay, so this is what you do for a living. Yes. And then you've got a side gig. Yeah, side hustle. A little side hustle Just because kidding. that's kind of that's no big deal. <laughs> like yes. doing that. What's, so your, what's your side hustle? The side the side gig is uh, a nonprofit called Alabaster International. Uh, we take healthcare and education services and care to people in Africa. So Kenya, South Sudan, Ethiopia. So. Just three, just three countries. And we recently expanded to three countries. I was in Kenya for a long time, mm. and then yes. Okay, well, <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. So, in, in particular, I'm, I'm guessing most people here have not heard of the uh, plant called Enset. Has anyone here besides Ashanta and Katie heard of and Christina heard of Enset? <laughs> Okay, and what, what is NSET? Just right. tell us just briefly. So really quick, so it's part of the project that we're working on in Africa. NSET is a banana-like tree uh, that actually only currently was only growing in Ethiopia, uh, but it's actually called like the tree against hunger because it's really ha can be harvested year-round. It, it doesn't require a lot of water. And so it's really has been done, a lot of research has been done about it actually being an answer to hunger in Africa, uh, this crop basically. And so we've been doing some exciting work around that uh, in this year, so which I'll talk more about. Great, just kind of in, kind of on the side of yeah. caring for people in the <laughs> yeah. streets in Los Angeles. Good, that's nice. That's what I do on the side too. It's um, good, Bill. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, all right. So this is Shannon. You can see why she's preaching today because she actually has a heart and has been a part of what God's doing in in various places in the world. Uh, and we're in this sermon series about having dreams about seeing what could be, what, what God might be up to, something that's, that's bigger, bigger than you, bigger than me. And today we're looking at Psalm 126, which has the theme verse for our series in it. And it's, 
the, the psalmist is, is reflecting. It's like, man, I'm, I'm just thinking back. Like, we were like those who dream. Who, we were like those who dream. It's like, man, we, we could see all the goodness. And, and the psalmist ref, is reflecting back on, on these times when God had done these great things because uh, this is one of the, they call it the song of ascent. So these are, they would sing these. They're prayers, but they would sing them particularly on their way up to the temple during the big feast days uh, in, back in ancient Israel. They would sing these prayers together as, as a way of preparing their hearts to see what God was up to because their lives were messy, the world was messy, and in the midst of all the uncertainty, they're like, well, these are things that we know are true, so we're gonna sing them on our journey and that's what we're doing here today. I mean, Stephen just led us in these two great songs, right? O come, Emmanuel, right? That, like, we're leaning into Christmas, not just because it's Christmas, but because we long, we long for a different world. We want more. And there's a lot of uncertainty in these times. And so that's what this, this prayer is about, and that's what this sermon is about, is, is having, having some dreams and what it takes to, to see those dreams come, come to reality. So uh, for our scripture reading, we're going to read all of Psalm 126, and our friend Ashanta Rubera is going to read scripture for us. So come on up, Ash. If you would welcome Ash with me. Uh, Ashanta is... Uh, Amongst any things, many things, he's also married to Shannon, and he is the Sri Lankan wonder. So if you've ever wondered what good Sri Lankan food tastes like, this is your man, right? He is, he's a professional chef. Um, so anyway, so if you would stand uh, for the reading of God's word in Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Sion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongue, tongues with songs of joy. When it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. People of God, this is the word of God. Maybe see it. Thanks, Ashanta. Great. Well, have thank at you it. This is your chance. <laughs> <laughs> so helpful to have someone so encouraging. <laughs> so yeah, thanks again for the intro and thank you all City Church for having me here again. I was here back in May of last year and it's really an honor to be back with this community. I always feel so welcome here. So thank you uh, for that. Uh, so I, I, thank you for the intro about this psalm because I think looking at these verses, right, uh, in Psalm 120, especially the beginning verses, it's clear that these folks are facing a time of uncertainty, right? They're kind of going toward the unknown. Anyone facing, have ever faced uncertainty <laughs> or the unknown, right? Um, and so it's, it's, I love this part about when they say, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. 
And it's this concept of as they're facing the unknown, right, as they're walking toward maybe something scary, they're remembering, right? They're remembering that the power of remembering the way that God has come through in the past, the way that God has maybe rescued them in the past. And remembrance is powerful. Remembrance is really powerful. And I want to talk a little bit about how that's been in my own life. And so, you know, Bill had kind of set, set, set me up well <laughs> to talk a little bit about Alabaster and our work in Africa. And then, as I mentioned, we've been working in Kenya for uh, 11 years. And last year, I started to dream with God. And I, so I love that, we're talk, that you're going through a series about dreaming. And I started to dream with God about potentially expanding our work of Alabaster from Kenya to a new country. And I actually always had this dream of going to Sudan to, to do work there. Uh, I know I'm a little bit weird. Um, <laughs> but I, I just felt that I wanted to go and replicate some of the work that we were doing in Kenya in Sudan. And I had felt this way for many years as a, as a college student. But there's a lot of complexities with going to Sudan. For those who may, you guys probably know, but for those who may not know, Sudan, Sudan split into two countries. It's Sudan now and South Sudan. Uh, so South Sudan became its own country in 2011. It's the youngest country in the world now, uh, but also has been rocked by civil war and conflict and flooding and a lot of really hard things. And so this sense of like, okay, can I do this? Is it safe? How are we going to move from this one nation to now another, uh, to this new nation? And, and is that in that moment that we had to remember? Right? We had to remember the way that God had come through for us in Kenya over this last decade. Okay, we had to remember when we first went to Kenya, we went to this small village of Indonio Lasho, and there was literally nothing there. Uh, like and nothing, we had, you mean like nothing? Like literally nothing. There's no buildings. There was no building. I mean, there was a school made of iron sheets, but other than that, there was nothing there. They had to walk 15 hours to the nearest hospital for medical services. There was no water there. And we went there in remembering Kenya, and now, Ten, ten years later, there's a, there's a clinic, there's a maternity ward, uh, there is a library. Do you want to show the, show the picture? Yeah, sure. Yeah, we, we can got show a picture. The picture. Of... Oh, there's the, there's the clinic. And there's a City Church of Long Beach t-shirt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you guys came with us. Uh, Katie's in the back there, too, with the pink shirt. Um, and this clinic now, as small as it seems, cares for 7,000 people every year. Uh, there's now a maternity ward, which we don't have a picture of, next, a little bit adjacent from it, that helps women give birth safely. They, had to, again, had to walk 15 hours before this. Uh, there's some people in the room that helped make that maternity ward possible in Kenya. And um, so, you know, we had to remember those things, right, as we, were, as we were getting ready to go to Sudan. As the, we were filling out our visa, and they were like, hey, uh, designate a hostage negotiator before you go, because that's how dangerous it can be. Leave DNA samples. <laughs> Uh, he stayed side. I actually asked uh, Bill why and Katie. Why do you need DNA samples? <laughs> Just in case you get kidnapped while you're in Sudan. Um, these are kind of the warnings that we had to face as we were preparing, right, to go there. <laughs> and so this concept of remembrance became so important for us because we had to remember the way that God had come through in Kenya in the past, right? That, that, that out of nothing, he helped us to bring medical services and healthcare to this really remote uh, region of the world. And so I remember sitting in this United Nations helicopter <laughs> with Ash and another friend of ours as we're going toward this active conflict zone in, in South Sudan. <laughs> and it was in this moment that remembrance is like life or death, right? Like remembering the way that God has come through, remembering 
that he has rescued us before, remembering the way he rescued us two years ago when our, our, with our, when our vans in Kenya got surrounded by bandits with AK-47s, and we had to give them our ginger cookies and water, and they were like, cool, go. And God like totally came through for us then, right? And so it's like remembering that as I sit on this helicopter going into this, this, this war zone, um, it, just, it just reminds me that how powerful remembrance is. And, and remembrance, remember, and in that moment as I'm sitting on this helicopter, I felt gratitude for the way that God had come through for us in the past. And that gratitude is what helps me to keep going, right? It was helped me to actually get off the helicopter and go into this amazing village who now we're committed to going to every year. Um, so remembering the, the time that God has come through for us actually connects us to gratitude, right? Connects us to gratitude and that helps us to face the unknown, to face the, the scary places. It ties us to hope, right? So how has that been for you? Where in your life, may, maybe you're facing the unknown. Maybe you're facing something scary. Maybe you're waiting on test results. Maybe you're waiting for a child to return home. Maybe you're waiting on a job interview. What is the unknown, the scary thing that you may be facing, the uncertain places that you may be facing, and how in this moment can you remember the ways that God has come through? The way that he's rescued you? So let's take a minute. Let's, let's pause and think about that. Thanks. That's what a gift. I mean, a lot of us... We may not be surrounded by bandits with AK-47s, um, but we have those moments, right, when God's come through. I love that. Um, so in, in the next verse, so the, it starts with like, man, those great times. We we're like dreamers. There's so, you know, laughter, like, Yes. The reason for that, like what Shannon just pointed out, is because you need to remember because right now things are not that. Right? Right now, things are not good. So the next verse says, Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Like, restore, for, like we don't have fortunes right now. We're feeling surrounded right now. Things are hard. We're, we're literally in a desert. The Negev is a, is a desert in Israel. And it rains there, but not often. And so it's like, man, the days when it rained, when there was water, when, there were, when you came through, like, ah. We're not there now. And so this, this prayer is a very honest one. Willing to name that I'm actually in a hard season. Maybe I don't believe. Maybe there's hell, you know, all these, you know, Shannon just pointed out a bunch of things, right? Like, yeah, are you willing to just name that? Like, I'm running through a desert right now. 
physically, socially, spiritually, emotionally, financially. Pick, pick your, you know, have your choice. To do the hard work of hope means naming the reality. You don't get to a fulfillment of a dream unless you can name the hardship. So keep thinking about that. Keep letting it sink in. The next verse goes in and um, it's easy to skip to the second half of it, but, but listen to this. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. There's that sowing in tears. And there's the reaping of joy, right? It's the, it's the dreams come to reality. But the, the, the sowing in tears, like if, if you think about seeds, right? Like you, it's this vision of like you've got a dream, you have a hope, you need God to come through and you're planting this seed. And instead of rain, you're watering it with your tears. That's what it says. Again, not a denial of reality. Facing the hardship, acknowledging the tears, and that God, God's actually using them. It's, it's hard to see when the seed is underground and it's been watered with your, with your tears. It's hard to see the sprout because it, it's, it's, it's got a ways to go before it breaks the surface, right? And that's what hoping is. That's what, that's what dreams are for. That's what trust is about. So talk to us about the hard work and the good work of sowing in tears to reap joy. Yeah, thanks for that. I think, and I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get personal. I, I heard that's okay here <laughs> at City Church. Um, so, well, so one thing I really like about this section of the Psalms, so now we're gonna focus a little bit on the second half, so to speak, of verses five and six, and talking about uh, those who sow with tears will reap with joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed, to sow will return with songs of joy. And I never actually noticed, I've read this psalm a bunch of times, but I've never actually noticed the fact that there's a lot of action words here, right? right? So we're talking about weeping, you know, sorrow, uh, tears, and yet we're also hearing phrases like sowing, right? Going out, carrying. <laughs> and, you know, I think it's just interesting because it doesn't actually say those who sit with tears will reap with songs of joy, or those who wait with tears will reap with song of joy, songs of joy, or those who rest. And not to say that there's so much value, by the way, to sitting, waiting, and resting, absolutely, and that's so important, but that's actually not what we're, this, this psalm is focusing on, right? And that, I just thought that was interesting, mm -hmm. that you're actually, the psalmist seems to be saying here that there's work to do mm. in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of, of tears, so there's actions here, right? And actually what it's saying here is that those actions, those sowing, the weeping, the going out, the carrying, 
is connected to our returning from sadness, right? It's connected to the joy. It's connected to the sheaves, which, you know, we can say sheaves like harvest, like abundance, right? And so I just thought that was interesting that you're, so now you're saying to me, so, which, you know, in general, sowing, like what Bill was talking about, like sowing a seed in the ground already takes some faith, right? And some work, because you're like, okay, seed, go in this ground. I can't micromanage you <laughs> in this dark place. I just have to trust that the seed is going to grow. But now the psalmist is saying, actually, sow while you're weeping. So actually in the midst of potential pain or sorrow mm-hmm. or loss, right? So then how do places of sorrow or pain become places of sowing, right? How do we sow when we're in pain? How do we move? How do we keep going, right? So for me, again, so I'm going to get personal, right? So um, I'm a dreamer, clearly. <laughs> I love to dream, love to think, think about things that seem kind of outlandish, but let's go for it. Just how I've rolled since I was young. Um, so I talked about this dreaming with God for going to Sudan, and we were so grateful. We went in May. We touched down in this village after three helicopter rides. It was an incredible time. These people are amazing. I'm, we're definitely committing our work to continuing to work with them. And as we were continuing to do our work in Kenya over these last 10 years, we started noticing last year, especially coming, come, you know, coming out of the pandemic, kids were starting to get thinner. You know, the elders were trying to look a little bit more lean. And they started using words like hunger, famine, food insecurity, right? And then for the first time, we were like, oh, you're actually starting to have an issue with access to food. And we just hadn't seen that in these villages since we'd been there for many years. And so it really just started this, this, this process of dreaming again with God. And I remember asking God, hey, is there something, God, you have, other than just us giving them food aid, which we started to do, of course, but something more sustainable, right? Something where we can give, them, give these communities something where they can have access to food on a regular basis. And this started this like, incredible time of dreaming with God, of figuring out, hey, what, you know, what are some of our creative ideas? And you know, it's a very long, convoluted story, but essentially, we came across this crop called Enset, which was relatively unknown, and essentially, tons of research for over 50 years, basically saying that, hey, this could be the answer. This can be one of the potential answers to helping communities with hunger in Africa, but Ethiopia does not share this crop outside of its borders. It's never had. And so we can't do, we can't scale it because, and we can't share it with other countries for it to be a potential source because it, it's not allowed. Can I? Yes. Why, why don't they share it? You want to give a brief summary? Because I think... I'm like I getting think, into geopolitical issues now here. So it's online, I, th- right? I think you know, would, would a, a city church would appreciate why they don't share just because they don't want to share, but because... Yeah, of course. And it's a, it's a precious resource for them. And there's a history of another country coming in and stealing their resources in the past. Another plant that they had um, that some of us may have eaten. It's made... Uh, it's the thing that makes injera, that bread that we eat in some Ethiopian restaurants. Um, and so they were like, we're done. <laughs> we're not sharing. They've stuff. been taken advantage of. Yeah, absolutely. The, the powers at B had come in and yeah. exploited them. Rightfully so. They're like, hey, we're not going to, we're not going to, this is ours. And this is precious. Is this me? You? Uh, it might be here. Oh, okay. Oh, my hair. Oh, okay. Good? Better? Oh, I don't know. Okay. I'll try not to move too much. Um, anyway, so we started, and so through a long process 
I was able to actually get an appointment with the Ethiopian government officials <laughs> January of this year to actually go to them and try to convince them to let, to let them share this NSAID plant with our friends in Kenya. Um, and I went there in, in early January this year and we had a great first meeting. They didn't commit to anything at first, rightfully so, but it started this process, right? And it was this crazy, amazing miracle that I even got in the door with these, you know, with these amazing officials and they were open to it. And it was just, this, you know, started this process of really dreaming with God, like, wow, the impossible is becoming possible. And, you know, this sowing, right? I'm sowing, literally carrying this, like, thinking about this literal seed, right? This plant. I'm hoping to plant it in, a, in another country for the first time ever. And I came back January, and two weeks later, my father passes away. And I, you know, and he, you know, it wasn't just like dad was sick, and we, you know, expected, and then he passed away. It was just this completely sudden, unexpected tragedy in our house. And I'm an only child. We live on the back house of my parents' property. And we had spoken to dad at 1.30 that day. And at 5.30, he was gone. So how? How do you now keep dreaming with God, keep sowing, keep carrying the seed, whether it's the literal seed of NSET or just to keep breathing, when you've experienced loss of this kind? its entire magnitude, my life just fractured open, right? How do you, how does this now, this place of sorrow, this place of pain, how can you believe that there's, a, there's joy to have now, right? How do you return from this to abundance, to sheaves, to joy? How do you do that? So here I'm engaging in some, one of, some of the most difficult work of my life, dealing with governments and nations and dreaming with God, right? Ha praying and having these incredible times of, of community and worship because I'm like, yes, it's me and God. We're doing this amazing thing. And then it's like a chasm in my world, right? And I want to talk about this because this is where we get stuck, right? And this is where I've been stuck. It's so easy right in this moment to retreat and say, God, I'm done with you. Community, I'm done with you. Dreaming, I'm done with you. I'm done. And in some ways, yeah, of course, there's, there's, there's places for pause. <laughs> there's needs for rest, absolutely. But I don't, I don't actually feel the American church talks enough about how you keep going in the face of disappointment discouragement and disillusionment, especially with God. How do I trust God now, right? I was actually in a prayer meeting at 12 p.m. that day, the day, the day that dad died. You couldn't give me a heads up, God? A little inkling, <laughs> right? I mean, here I'm praying, I'm worshiping, I'm a worship leader at my other church. I'm doing all these things and like, and yet this happens. I have so many questions now. Like, what do I do with all my why questions? And how do we move? How do we keep sowing in that place? How do we hope in God when now he seems untrustworthy? It doesn't seem like he has my back. Why did dad have to go like that? Why right now? In the midst of this time where I feel like I'm doing what I'm called to do and I'm, and I'm birthing something brand new in my life. 
And I want us to, I want us to wrestle with this because I think this is sometimes the crossroads that many of us may be at, right? Where we've experienced just complete, utter decimation just in our lives, loss, sorrow. And honestly, for me to stand even before you today and talk about this in front of its amazing community, it required me to keep sewing somehow. Somehow, and that looked, practically, it looked like not giving up on myself, on community, on God, and to keep showing up, even if, even a little bit, even in small ways. So sewing, sewing into myself in that season, this was February of this year, by the way, that my dad passed. Um, sewing into that season for me looked like, hey, I'm going to keep working out. What? Like, how do you even know how to, like, get up and put on socks and shoes and, like, go and exercise? Like, I don't, you know what I mean? But that, that, it required me to do that. I had to sew into myself so I could reap, right, like, health <laughs> to be able to keep going, right? I, I'm a part of this boxing class, and so I have to put on, like, boxing gloves and go and, like, box this bag. And, of course, like, Everything in my body is like, no, I just want to like lay in a blanket and do nothing. And there were times for that, don't get me wrong. But there had to also be a choice I had to make to say, okay, now I'm actually going to have to get up and sew into myself, right? And then remembering that we don't have to sew alone. We don't have to keep going, you know, right? Carrying, going out. We don't have to keep, we don't have to do that alone. We, we can sew alongside community loved ones, right? And so practically for me, I was, this was like March, so, you know, like a, a month later, I had to speak at this conference on HIV. And I'm, you know, I'm really, I'm really into infectious disease, Katie knows, and I w- needed to speak at this conference. I was a keynote speaker, <laughs> great. And at this point, and I had, it was just too short a notice for me to back out, so I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I had to be there at 1 p.m., and it was 11 a.m., and I'm literally still in bed. <laughs> Like, I just, I can't get out of bed. I hadn't slept the night before. I'm having, ni- you know, I'm having nightmares, insomnia, all these different things. And I'm like, I'm like paralyzed <laughs> in my bed. I'm like two hours from having to do this conference. And so I just, I sent a text to like a few friends. And I was like, you guys, please pr- like pray for me. Send me an inspiring quote. Send me a meme, a gif, whatever. Do something to help me because I need to get up and get out and go, do, go to this conference. And yeah, my friends rallied. They, you know, so one, one of them called me. They were like, okay, just do one, next, do one thing. Get out of your bed <laughs> and go and brush your teeth. You know, and they like walked with me step by step so I could actually go to the conference. And I did. I don't think I do an A, an a job, but I, I made it, <laughs> right? Um, so sewing alongside others, keeping going, keep going because you know you're not alone right? That you're, you can sow with others. And then the last thing is showing up to God. You guys, this is tricky. How do you show up to God when you've experienced something like this, right? Because it's, because when you, especially when you experience death, it's like, God, you're the God of the universe. Like, you could just control all these things. And like, why? Like, why did, did it have to go down this way? And so showing up to God for me actually kept, meant keeping going with this project on NSET. That was, that was part of it for me. I was like, okay, God, I don't understand you, but I trust you. And there's, there, that was the power for me. That's that one phrase. God, I don't get you. I don't understand what you're doing, but I trust you. Let's keep going.
let's keep going. And so that meant, I'm like a nurse practitioner, like talking about plants, like what is happening? <laughs> like going to this Ethiopia amongst these like PhDs to like present the, my, our case on, hey, share this plant, you know, and, and, but it, it meant having to do that, kept keeping, you know, keep going, right? Keep sowing into this, keep dreaming with God. And it was that one phrase that helped me to show up to God, even when I was angry and I didn't understand. God, I trust you even when I don't understand you. Stepping out in faith, right? Carrying, carrying, going out. And so, I, and then as I did that, I realized that as I was saying that, as I was dealing, going through this project with Ethiopia and NSET, God, I, I trust you even when I don't understand you. It helped me to be able to say that when I thought of dad. Right? When I thought of the loss of my father. Okay, God, I don't understand I have so many questions, why, why, why? But okay, I'm, I'm gonna try to trust you. Sometimes it starts like that and that's okay, right? And as I did that, I realized my why questions, our why questions can't be in a vacuum, right? Like it can't be just me and my why questions. That's like hopeless. But if I kept showing up to God and hurling even my anger, my questions, my doubt at him, my why questions were no longer in a vacuum, right? They were in the, in the relationship with God, the relationship with Jesus. And I realized in that moment that what I ultimately needed was not answers to my questions. I needed the love of God. I needed to be loved to know that I'm going to be okay. That was more than the answers to my actual questions about the why. And God is so good. Right? Because on November 28th of this year, the NSAM plant was officially transferred from Ethiopia to Kenya in the first time in both nations' history. Sheaves, right? Sheaves, abundance. Now the potential for this plant to feed millions that had never been possible before. And don't get me wrong, God doesn't need me. <laughs> Like, why? I'm like the least qualified person to do this work. But I said yes to that dreaming with God, right? We're talking about dreaming. I said yes to him that day, last year, when I started talk, thinking about hunger. He invited me into dream with him, and I said yes to him, and he honored that yes. He honored my meager showing up in the midst of loss. And so it's so amazing now that this plan is there, and we, we're doing research, and there's all, all, a lot of things more to do, but it happened, right? Sheaves. And to be honest, more than even the actual plant being transferred, I feel like the, the abundance, the sheaves for me is that I'm relearning to trust God again, right? I'm relearning how it means to show up to him even when I don't fully understand him. And so to sum that all up, really, the returning, the, go, the, the action words that we're talking about, right? When we're talking about in the midst of sorrow, how do we keep sowing, moving? To me, it all is summed up in one word, and that's persistence, to persist. Can, everyone, can everyone say persist? Persist. Persist. Say it one more time. Persist. persist. Right? That in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of loss, we persist. We persist with ourselves. We persist with others. We persist with God. And it's not a, it's not a passive thing. It's an action word, right? Persist. 
So how may God, I'm going to ask you guys, if it's okay, you don't have to, but if you don't mind closing your eyes, if you can, if you don't want to, that's cool. But as we, as I just kind of wrap up this part, I just want to just take a moment. Let's just pause for a second. How may God be calling you to persist, to not give up, and to show up, and even hope in the times of pain or loss or sorrow? What may persistence look like for you right now in the unknown, in the scary places? Is God inviting you to trust him in a new way and experience his love even as you process disappointment or sadness or disillusionment? Jesus is here with us to remind us that he loves us even when we don't fully understand the mystery of faith, the Catholic Church says, the mystery of faith.